Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today again, superhero, my mom. Hey. So, um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Mario. We did. And um, I think it's only right that we talk about his rival, Sonic. Does this mean I'm going to end up with another another gadget? Because coming out of the Mario discussion, I ended up with a Switch Lite. So, um, thankfully, we have a little brother that has a couple of Sonic games already. Okay. Um, so, it shouldn't be that difficult to, to do that at all. Um, Not complaining. I like it. But, oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Um, and Sonic actually is one of those things where, like, it's pretty easily pretty easy to get older the older games for because they do recollect the remasterings and uh, re-releases of the older titles fairly frequently. Oh, okay. Um, and have ever since uh, they stopped being their own. Am I going to get to watch the movie? Yes, we're going to watch the movie as well. Oh, cool. Um, so to talk about Sonic is actually to talk about also uh, Sega's consoles uh, existence as a as a major console maker. So. Um, in the 70s and 80s, Sega was well known for being in arcades, um, unlike, uh, a little bit like Nintendo too, where Nintendo had Donkey Kong and, and Mario Brothers and a couple other major arc- arcade games, but Sega had a lot more of a, um, of a, of a presence in arcades at the time. And like a lot of companies at the time, they were, um, trying to get into the home console market, which was at the time um, thought to be the most lucrative way you could get into um, into this making is like more the money. Like the Game Box, GameCube. Yeah, kind of like that. So, yeah. this, so, but this is this is also kind of where Nintendo came up with like the Famicom or the Famicom, which we got here in America as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so Sega actually had a version of that 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 came out around that same time, much in the same generation. It was the um, their first early version was what they called the Mark One or the SG One Thousand, only released in Japan initially, uh, and um, it ran. It basically ran off these kind of card discs sort of things that you would kind of plug in, kind of like ROM expansion ports almost okay. on a computer. Um, uh, it did f- it did okay in Japan, but a couple years later they released the uh, SG Three Thousand or Mark Three as it's known in Japan. Um, here in the States, we know it as the Master System, and it would have been the most comparable thing to um, the Nintendo Entertainment System at the time. Now, give me a time frame here. Um, so probably about 1984, 85, to about, uh, give or take, 1989, 1990, give or take. Oh, so when you were just a babe. Oh, yeah, just, yeah I, would have, I would have just been a babe kind of right around there. So, yeah. um, Oddly enough, that system was not very popular in Japan or in here in America, but was very popular in uh, Europe, actually. Oh, really? Um, And so it's kind of what kept it afloat during the... um, At the same time, again, obviously, it it failed. Sega's had a bad bad habit with consoles always having to compete with a major contender at the time. Um, In this case here, when they were trying to do their consoles, their major competitor was Nintendo, oddly enough. Well, I mean, the funny thing as you say this is, is... If I think back to the the eighties and early nineties, I would have considered the two rivals and and almost equal. You yeah, you would think so too. But it, it... I remember Se- Sega having a presence in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Yep, they had a Sega of America, which was actually a lot of the impetus for the Genesis. Actually, so the Genesis would have, would have been there 
a 16-bit counterpart to Nintendo's Super Nintendo, um, which both would have came out around 1989, 1990. But uh, part of Sega's concern was that they felt that they didn't have um, an actual mascot or an actual like killer app. Um, and a killer app in this case, what I'm talking about is a... And Mario. Uh, in Mario. Um, but a, a killer app in some cases might be the game that really sets it off. Okay. Um, if you look back to Nintendo, that would have been Super Mario Brothers, the original one. Um, if you look to the Game Boy, that would have been Tetris. Um, we look to uh, years later in, Mario, in uh, Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo and Super Mario 64. These are all basically the game you got... To, the game that you most wanted to play when you entered your, your, your entry game, your entry game, but also like the game that was just like, wow, I have to buy that. Okay. And again, and Sega didn't actually come out with Mario with Sonic right away at all. Um, they had had other characters like Alex the Kid and other, um, a couple other companies that had created their own kind of mascots for their franchises, but none of them really took off for. Um, for Sega at all, and so Sega decided by 1990 that they needed somebody. That they needed, they needed their own Mario, um, and so they had an internal design project. They basically went to an internal uh, design contest, um, and they were trying to figure out like they needed a killer app to really sell the Genesis and they really kind of hit it home. Because at this point, they were also considering getting out of the console market, which was it would have been a concern for them at then. Um, because again, the only real publishing arm would have been uh, Nintendo then at that point, which would have been the only person in the industry at that point that would have had a monopoly on game sales, even though other people were trying to come out with stuff. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that they did was they had, um, two guys, uh, Nato Oshima and programmer, uh, Yuki, uh, Yuji Naka. And, um, I believe it was Yuji who came up with this, um, idea of, basically moving a pixelated character around by kind of scanning the the area ahead of you so you could do like so you could keep up with the speed of it of the game so we kind of based off where the character was it would project it would the computer would analyze it and say oh i need to prepare these couple sprites for the next like five six frames ahead of it yeah so it would anticipate what was coming up next and because you could in because based off where you were physically in the game buffering yeah, so it was a better idea of buffering, yeah. Okay. Um, so I found with all this buffering, you could do curves and stuff like that, and you could have better control over that because if you beforehand it was not as much, you couldn't do it as quite as well. Um, so they said that they were going to do a fast, they wanted to do a fast character or something in that in that line. Um, and eventually they settled on a hedgehog named Sonic. A blue hedgehog. Now... It's, now, there's a couple different reasons for why Sonic looks the way he does. So, the reason it's blue is because they wanted to mirror the Sega logo, which is a blue logo at the time. So, it's this bright cobalt blue at the end of the day. Um, Sonic's shoes are actually reminiscent of Santa Claus and Michael Jackson's shoes from his Bad album. Oh. Uh, Michael Jackson actually plays a later part in development of a Sonic game much later on as well. Um and one of the big things that they wanted to do to make sure that Sonic was um, would sell well is they actually based his personality, uh, his can-do and kind of wild kind of personality off of Bill Clinton. Oh, really? Yeah. So that sort of cavalier, kind of cavalier, you know, 
kind of your own kind of man, just kind of running around and um, can do anything attitude is primarily what they wanted. Well, okay, so a little a, a little known known uh, fact. I met Bill Clinton mm-hmm. in 1989. I met him when he was still governor of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Late 80s. Um, and I'd never seen anybody work a room like that in, in my life. Yeah. So, and this is before he, you know, he had no idea that he had intentions of becoming president, uh, president or anything beyond that. But um, had ne- never saw anybody who not only glad handed you, but made you feel like you were the only thing he was paying attention to in that particular moment in a room of a thousand people. Nice. So, interesting thing to model on. Mm hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how we get Sonic the Hedgehog in its early um, classic. It was what we call it in this classic mode. Um, and actually, his main rival, Dr. Eggman, or as we know him here in the West as uh, Dr. Robotnik, um, was actually also an internal design thing. They, they had to come up with a uh, Theodore Roosevelt sort of looking guy that was actually in, like, pajamas. The idea was supposed to be, like, uh, this guy was, like, sleeping or he was in a dream. So that's why he was in pajamas and they... Um, it didn't work out for the speedy character or any sort of other projects they were working on, but they thought, ooh, this would be, this looks like he might be a good villain. So that's how he got re, recast totally, as this. I totally see the Teddy Roosevelt thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, there's a, a definite semblance to that. Um, and so by 1991, they came out with Sonic the Hedgehog, the first game. And this was also at the time in which, um, so it's well, it's kind of well known that uh, Sega of America was very aggressive with their marketing campaign um, here in America, as were as opposed to in the West. Because if you were, because or in Japan in the East, because if you were in Sega of Japan, was not a lot of the member board members and executives of uh, Sega of Japan were not happy with the way America was uh, projecting. Um, the Sega Genesis. The Sega Genesis was very famously was like Sega. Sega Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Oh, I like it. Um, and a lot of ads were very much aimed at um, the teenager market. They really, they literally went out to the teenager market and, and were very heavily focused on pushing it toward them. And so there's always a lot of uh, games in which they were like, "Look how slow Mario runs. Look how fast our guy runs." And they eventually actually figured out one one of the guy one of the creators of the system specs was like, oh yeah, if you do this or a little bit, you do a little bit of this or this with the processing, you get like super fast processing, super fast processing. Yeah, it's kind of like blast processing. It lets you pro, it lets you kind of do all this stuff, all these real super quick calculations like real quickly, so you could have, so you could do like these super cool things real quickly in the in this game. Hence, hence the Sonic. Well, not just Sonic, but um, but what they ended up doing is they, they they mentioned this everywhere. Like Sega Genesis has blast processing; you get even more pixels and everything, and you get more power out of the system. So, like they were again, Sega was very aggressive with it, and with um, and they didn't do this until Sonic came out because Sonic um, Sonic was very much the killer app that they really wanted. And um, over the lifespan of the Genesis, actually, they did better than Nintendo at one point. Uh, the Sega Genesis held, um, Sega held a 65% market share over Nintendo. Oh, wow. That's quite In the a bit. Super Nintendo. Um, and, and this was just in the 
home console market. By that time, Nintendo would ha- had come out with the Game Boy, and, and Sega was like, well, w- we got to come out with a hand console as well. And uh, famously, I had the Game Gear, yeah, which was basically a Sega Master System, but ported down. And so a lot of the games that came out for the Master System for games, I got on the Game Gear. So, so in, in a quick observation, so we, in this house we had the Game Gear, mm-hmm. and then we also had Game Boys. And I remember thinking the Game Gear, um, the graphics were so much better than mm-hmm. on the Game Boys. Oh, yeah. So, but the real problem... It was a bigger screen, but... It was a bigger screen. It was also in color at the time, which... And not just any color. It was like basically like a television color as where uh, Game Boy was still using a very pixelated sort of color sort of thing with no yeah. backlight or anything. I mean, the Game Gear, literally, you could buy something called a TV tuner, which was basically just an add-on with an antenna that came out so you could watch TV on the Game Gear. That's that's how... That's, that's basically the, the screen that was there. I mean, a very small... 60 by 80 screen, I want to say, pixelated screen, but you could watch TV on it in theory. I just remember being impressed that the Game Gear was, uh, gave you so much, it had so much better a finished look. It had a much better finished look. It also was sideways, which was much more comfortable yeah. versus the other, there versus the Game Boy, which was this other way. Now, do you know why the Game Boy was more popular than the Game Gear by chance? Because you could fold it and have to put it in pocket. Oh, well, you couldn't do that yet with the Game with the Game Boy yet. Okay. So game Boy was actually about the size of a Game Gear. Oh, was it really? The original version, yeah, was about the size. Si- probably. Oh, a see, l- I always remember the ones that folded. Yeah, so that would have been the Game Boy um, SP much, much later on. That would okay. be about mid two thousands here. Okay. Um, but no, the original the original Game Boy was about the size of um, uh, was about the size of a Game Gear. Um, maybe it's just a little, a little smaller than my Switch, like. Yeah, about a little bit smaller than your, well, about the same size as your Switch, but just thicker and wider. Okay. So, um, but the real thing was that, um, and this is something I encountered all the time, was that the Game Boy, is that the Game Gear took six AA batteries. Oh. And you could get probably about an hour and 20 minutes at best out of that. And, but with the Game Boy, you can put those same batteries in there and those same batteries would probably last you about six to eight hours instead. And you couldn't plug it in. Well, you could plug in the, the Game Boy. You could plug oh, in the okay. Game Boy as well. Okay. Um, for the Game Gear, though, it was almost kind of mandatory that you had to have it plugged in because um, not a lot of games had save functions. And um, again, if you were playing a game for a long period of time... Um, it just would not work out well. Keep in mind that... You could lose everything you did because it, it would go you, out. It would go out and you couldn't save it at all. Okay. Um, the other thing as well was that, um, and we've learned this kind of much later on, is that a lot of Game Boy games were geared toward pick up and turn off. The notion being that, oh, I will play this for 10, 20 minutes, save, or save, figure out the portion of my data that I need, turn it off and then go back to doing whatever else I was doing. So like if you were on the bus, for example, or if you were um, in transit or you were just waiting for like a class to get to, to start or something, you could turn it on for a bit and then get done with whatever you wanted to do, save or keep your data or just turn it off in general and then go back to doing other stuff. Um, Game Gear, because it was based off of old Master System games, didn't have the same um, affinity for that because the games were meant to be played, we're assuming you were playing them you know, in front Ongoing. of a TV for a long period of time. Like, you would just sit down and you would do it. Yeah. Um, 
we've we've gotten a little bit more sophisticated since then about stuff like that. Um, and, and savings become a lot more uh, ubiquitous again. Keep in mind that saving back in the day required an additional chip and a battery in the in in the cartridge. So that's what saved it. And so in a lot of cases now, people are pulling out their old games and thinking, oh yeah, this used to be a great game and they'll save it. And then they'll come back in it and it won't save, it never saved at all because the battery's dead. Yeah. So if it hasn't corroded either. Um, so yeah, so Sonic was um, very influential. Um, uh, its design had a lot of, you know, there was, again, obviously the notion of Sonic is speed, is going through levels right. as fast as you can. Um, and that again, lent itself very well to a Western audience. Um, and so, and again, it's basically, in, in Japan, Sega was not a huge contender with Nintendo. Even after the Genesis came out with Sonic, it was still, had, Nintendo still had a much higher market share versus uh, Sega at the time. Um, and Sega, again, was very much aiming itself toward an older demographic. Um, and Sega is actually part of the reason we have the ESRB as well. So the ESRB is the uh, is the rating board for video games. It's what says you know this is a, a uh, this is a regular game for everybody for kids and everything else. This is a game that's for adults. This is a game for teenagers. You know it's how we know um, oh this is a this is a this is a game as a V for violence and it lists what kind of violence kind of elements it are. Um, part of that is Sega's fault, but not entirely. Um, so. Uh, you may or may not remember a game called Mortal Kombat. I do. Okay, so I remember that actually in a modern context because it's still 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 going on now. Yeah, yeah. They 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 continually keep making games for this thing. Um, so what Mortal Kombat was is was a fighting game. Um, and what was unique about it was is that it had blood. And it had very, very descriptive. Do you remember that there was a lot of outcry over that? So there was a lot. So there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of gore. Um, you had moves that were called. Wait, f- you know what? It, you know what happened out of that, right? Yes, I do remember this. So yeah. So um, one of the big elements of the game was this, this notion called the um, fatality, and what would happen is during this fatality, depending on the character you were playing you might rip a guy's head off with a spine in it, or you might, you know, rip inside of him and steal his heart, or you would electrocute him. It was just, um, for at the time, somewhat very gory and very kind of disturbing sort of, you know, finishing moves um, from these characters that were actually, um, they, I forget what the term for it is, it's called uh, rotoscoping. Um, but what they did is they literally took, they literally filmed the actors doing the, the work and would then kind of cut it out into frames, and that was act- so there were actual people that you were playing, they were in costume. Yeah. And so, uh, because it looked so realistic, and you were literally playing as people that were very realistic proportion of people, it wasn't cartoony at all. It was actually pretty violent at the time. Um, and what happened was is that when it came on the home consoles, Nintendo, being a very f- safe and family friendly, friendly sort of thing wouldn't allow the finish had to tone they had to for mortal kombat on the super nintendo they had to tone down the finishers and they had to anytime you had blood that got hit because again you would punch a guy and blood yeah. would just spart out of it instead you had white white bot bits that looked like sweat so nintendo's version of mortal kombat was toned down Sega's version of, of Mortal Kombat was the full arcade version, which had all the blood and guts, all the finishers, 
Um, and so it was a big deal to, you know, to be like, oh, hey, you want to come over and play Mortal, Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Do you have a Super Nintendo or a Genesis? Genesis. Yeah. Let's do it. Out of this came the, the rating system. Yes. And that's the ESRB. So this rating system that came out that basically, because Congress... Congress I, I do remember this. Because Congress was basically at the point of saying, it was like, look, like, we're going to come, we're going to start regulating this, which has been kind of, an, kind of a boogeyman as well for a long period of time where, um, where video games have always been kind of this... Um, violent video games have always been kind of denoted as, um, as being a very corrupting matter for children at the right. end of time. And it's... It's somewhat probably debatable, but probably not that like certain amounts of gore and violence does desensitize us a bit to yeah. what's out there. Um, I haven't read any studies on it, so I don't want to speak for it necessarily. But it I can see the same complaint about TV films. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and movies. Yeah, and again, like they were being dragged over the coals, and uh, Congress was trying to say like, "Look, we're actually going to start regulating this stuff," and they say they came back and said like. Well, actually, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to all pitch in money together to create this rating board system that's independent of the game companies, but they all have to go through this rating board system to be released here in America. And they were in the conference was like, uh, okay. And that's actually spurred Japan's rating board system. And then in Europe, the different countries have uh, similar programs as well. Australia does too. Um, and so that's what really started this rating boards um, element here. That's why we now have uh, ratings for all video games. And they list out, if there's if it's PG, they'll let you know why it's PG. Or if it's uh, mature, it'll list out what kind of violence it has in it that makes it mature. So so, so like a movie rating where it's, it's PG adult situations or adult language. Or, or if it's rated R, it's probably a little bit nudity, more gory, yeah. nudity, something like that, yeah. Although in video games terms, they've been a lot better about um highlighting what why instead of like the movies you just have to kind of assume by the top by the movie premise yeah so um so yeah so that's sega doing that as well but um but back to sonic so here's the interesting bit when we get to sonic 2 um so yuji naka who was the guy who did the major programming um lifting of um sonic felt that he didn't get enough credit for, for helping design and come up with Sonic the Hedgehog. So he initially quit Sega. Um, but what ended up happening was that Sega actually rehired him from his from the American branch. So Sega here in, here, Sega here in America, uh, most notably San Francisco, had a, had a branch here called Sega Technical Institute, or STI, where they helped develop video games here um, in the West. And so... Um, what ended up happening is that two different Sonic games were actually being developed at the same time, unbeknownst to either of the of the of either Yuji Naka, who was the main program, and uh, Nato Nato uh, Oshima, who was the uh, designer. And so they came up with two different Sonic games during this period of time. Um, so Yuji Naka came up with Sonic Two, which was what we know uh, for the Sega Genesis. Um, it's the more canonical sequel to Sonic One. Um, Sonic 2 adds Tails, which is a fox with two tails, um, who can Red. fly, fly, and he's the, the best friend and sidekick of Sonic, and the levels got much more interesting, a lot more intricate and weaving, and it was very well, very well praised. Uh, but that got developed here in America, oddly enough. And then, um, Oshama was actually working on another version of, uh, Sonic called Sonic, what we would now know as Sonic CD. Um, 
So what Sega did at one point here was that they wanted to make the Sega Genesis still relevant, but not have people go out and buy new a new hardware system at the end of the day. They wanted to make it so that if you already own this, you could buy an add-on and it would either increase the power or, cre or increase the availability of stuff you could do on it. And so Sega released the Sega CD, which was a CD add-on, one of the first major uh, game consoles to use CDs at the time. Wow. Um, with And again, it's kind of like um, adding, kind of like what we would think back in the day of like adding a... Um, a RAM card or into an expansion port into a PC maybe, yeah. um, or putting an ad on the house maybe. Yeah, um, yeah I, I totally get the concept. And so um, what's unique about Sonic CD is that um, it actually has a little uh, video in it that's actually um, like, a, like an animated video of Sonic actually moving, which was really cool at the time. Nobody had actually seen animation for it here in 1982. Um and the game was kind of unique in that it actually had four different versions of each level that you went through. Because what you would do is you would start in the present and you could go back in time through the past and future. And if you were in the past, depending on if you stopped it from corrupting the futures, you might have like an either corrupted, more villainous looking technological future that had like smog in the air. Um, or if you had a good future, you would it would change it to kind of like more technological, but more intricated with peaceful kind of trees and plant life. So it would look better. So you already had four, every, four of these every levels. And if you did the best for future for all the levels, you got a, you got the good ending for that. Um, and it very much mimicked, um, if so you remember. you could replay it too for a different ending. Yes. But also had. That's cool. It also, and it also introduced Sonic's, um, what I think is the, probably the most unique run cycle where he's got that kind of a figure eight sort of thing going on with his legs. Um, which was this notion that if he's moving so fast, he does his figure eight with his legs. Um, it's very reminiscent of, uh, the time travel in that game was very reminiscent of Back to the Future. So you actually had to get Sonic up to a certain amount of speed because he couldn't go back in time or or go to the future of time without that amount of speed into him. So that was one of the, so again, that was a very fun bit, but it got released on uh, the Sega CD instead, which was meant to be the killer app for the Sega CD. Um, and in a move that mirrors Sega here, like the Sega CD was not the add-on feature that helped promote the the Genesis all. It actually failed dramatically. It only ever had maybe about uh, three or four dozen games on it that that nobody really knew what to do with the CD with the CD extra space. Nobody knew how to utilize it. Okay. And again, back in and again, I mean, like it wouldn't be until. Um, of the late 90s in 1996, 1997, when the PlayStation came out, that we actually figured out what to do with CDs. Um, so back in the day, they, you know, again, you're using the CD, which had a little bit more ROM, not more, not any more processing power, but you had all this extra space on here, and they just didn't know what to do with it at the time. So there was this, so, and again, not a lot of, you also had to kind of assume that a lot of people would be, would have this additional add-on to the system, which could or couldn't happen. Um, Sega actually. Well, how many? How expensive was it? Um, it was almost the same price, a little bit cheaper than the actual Genesis. So the Genesis might have been like a 
$200 investment, so this would have been like another $150 investment. But if you already had the $200 in, I mean, wouldn't it it'd still be less to add the 150 than it would to buy a whole different uh, gaming platform? Yeah, and you'd think so. But again, I mean, like, there were still... I mean, there's something appealing about that. There, it is. And again, that's what Sega was banking on. But again, they were still releasing quite a number of cartridge games that, you know, that didn't need this add-on. And so, okay. yeah. you know, and, and again, I mean, like, it's, again, if you go to... Not as portable. Well, it's not, well, the other problem that happened as well was that midway through the Sega Genesis life, psych, life cycle, um, it used to be like this big bulky thing that's probably about as big as my laptop here. Um, they actually had a redesign for it, which actually got it down much smaller to the size of our um, of the audio box we have here. So they were actually able to shrink it down. Um, but in the process of shrinking it down, they actually had to remove some of the hardware components. So remember how I mentioned blast processing? Yeah. Some games actually took advantage of that blast processing. And when they did the redesign for it, some of those games wouldn't work on the newer version of the Sega Genesis oh. because they changed out the hardware and some of the components so, so for it. So couldn't, it couldn't buffer as well. Well, not that it couldn't buffer as well, is that um, it was using a kind of language code that would let you manipulate the system to overclock itself temporarily for a short period of time. This one was just faster in general, but when the system tried to overclock itself, the system was like, um, I don't, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, uh, no habla español. No habla español. Yeah, so it basically couldn't actually, um, it couldn't actually play the game at all. So you'd have um, older, you'd have these older systems that were in high demand for the games that could be used on it, um, and then you had other systems, which other games, which assumed you'd have the newer system, but only worked on the newer version of it. And then the Sega CD went through the same thing as well. Originally, uh, the Sega CD would have been a unit you put underneath your uh, Genesis for the older version, kind of like how you would stack like uh, a cable box with a VHS player. Um, and then, but with the redesign, the the little square unit had a second unit just to the side of it that would have been the CD unit there. And so again, but those two were not cross compatible at all. Oh. You couldn't plug in the older unit with any of the newer units. So that ended up being somewhat of a barrier because that all happened right around the same time. Okay. So there was a bit of a buffering issue there. Um, Sega CD, though, a Sonic CD, still very, very well received by a lot of fans. A lot of fans think of it as uh, possibly the true sequel that should have been. Should have been, But we all got more Sonic games, which is just a good thing anyways. <laughs> well, you were like... So, so you were the Sonic guy. I loved Sonic. I love. I, whereas, whereas your your brother Mark uh, was was the Mario guy. Mm -hmm. um, you were you were very much the Sonic the Sonic. I remember getting you stuffed Sonics and Sonic mm -hmm. T shirts and and it was it was your was your jam. I also think I just liked the color blue more at the time, so I just kind of appreciated it more. But again, it also kind of falls in line with something that happens with a lot of nerds and a lot of people in general that the first thing that you fall in love with is what you think you always love. Whether you, but it is what you always love. But it, well, not, not necessarily. I mean, like... Um, so as an example, for a lot of Japanese animation fans here in the West who would have been watching anime in circa 1996, 1997, especially, or 1998, one of their first major shows might have been Gundam Wing, which is a version of the Gundam series yeah. um, that came out. Um, and a lot of people think that's like their favorite their favorite anime because it's their first anime they fell in love with. It's the first thing that got them into the game at the end of the day. And they, and again, it's one of those kind of instinctual. So they wouldn't be into other mech. 
it's not that they wouldn't be in the other mech, but they would always come back to this and think like, and there's an element of nostalgia that's built into it. There's an element of familiarity that comes with it. It's one of those things where it's like you have more fawning, loving memories of it. Yeah. Um, I think this is actually kind of how fetishes work on a certain level. So like if you see, a, you know, like there's often a, a, you know, for men they might say there might be like a, a boob man or an ass man or a legs man. Like a foot fetish. Yeah, or a foot fetish. Again, it's like it's what you see sexualized in the beginning. And so that's what you think is all, that's what you that, think is sexual. Your okay. And your brain just kind of implants is like, oh, that's what's sexual. Okay, that's what I think is sexual for the rest of my life. Even if that becomes yeah. later on, that's not truly the, the way. Um, so I think, and, and that happens with a lot of nerdy stuff too. Again, if you started, if you grew up playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of like the only kind of RPG you really want to play at all. Um, you can play other stuff, but you always kind of come back to D&D. &D okay, so, so, so it's the loyalty thing that keeps you playing World of Warcraft. Oh, World of Warcraft is just a giant time investment, too. I, I've played, <laughs> I actually have found far superior MMOs that I would rather be playing in a lot of cases, but there's just not enough people to, there to be playing it with. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, very famous, one of my favorite games. I, I died because it didn't have enough people in it, literally. And so they had to close, they literally closed down the game in the studio that created it. Oh. Yeah, it's, um, Either probably too ahead of its time or too much asking uh, for too much. But Is again, that the Evangelion. Oh uh, no no no! This would have been a game called Wildstar, okay. um, which was very similar to like World of Warcraft, made by the same people that made World of Warcraft, um, but it was a lot more action oriented. The idea being that um, um, on the ground, whenever you went to go do an action, it would show you it would show your zone in which you were doing the action in. So if you were, for example, swinging a sword, it would show you the range in which you were swinging your short sword at the ground. And you had to make sure your enemies were in that zone. So you had to, so you actually had to go up to somebody and hit the button to actually swing the sword left and right. If you were uh, shooting something, which was often the more beneficial use of it, it would show you where you were going to be shooting at. So you had to kind of line it up with the enemies. But the, your, but if you were playing against somebody else, somebody else could see where you were going to aim at and they can move out of the way or dodge. And so it was very much a uh, more twitchy MMO kind of thing. A lot more action-oriented, which I liked a lot. Um, I thought it had a lot of great ways it could grow, and I loved the world being a very, um, what I like to call a kitchen sink world, because it literally throws everything in and the kitchen sink, um, which is why I like anime, because, again, it feels like anything can happen plus the kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, okay, so so back to Sonic. Sonic is beloved by a lot of people. Ooh, very but, much. So so when you go to uh, PAX West or Penny Arcade or mm -hmm. or any of those things, um, I mean, I think the, probably the costume you get the most response out of. Oh yeah, is the Sonic the Sonic uh, puppet with with, with Doctor Robotnik. Doctor, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I imagine I get a lot a lot of. I, I get a lot of praise out of it just because I probably look because I because I do I will literally shave my head for it. Um, I've tried to put in a bald cap and it really kind of takes two people to do it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I just shave my head and I'll I'll do a little bit of makeup to kind of get it all evened out. I'll put a little red on my nose as well because Doctor Robotnik's got a little bit of red nose and I have this comically large mustache that I wear as well. Um, and then I have the Sonic puppet and everyone knows who Sonic is at this point. He's very much still very ubiquitous to this day. Um, maybe not as beloved as this day, but we'll we'll talk about the fans next week. Yeah. Because um, that is its own podcast. <laughs> um, Your brother warned me about that. Yeah. Um, but back to Sonic as well. So when they were started doing uh, Sonic 3, 
um, was Yuji Naka in the STI branch here in America, in San Francisco, that was uh, making the next game, Sonic 3. Um, and speaking of Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson is purported to have helped develop some of the music for Sonic 3. Um, so um, Sonic 3 is always, Sonic has always had kind of this like jazzy infused sort of kind of rock sort of music that's uh, very reminiscent of all the, of a lot of their games. And Michael Jackson was supported to help be developing music for Sonic 3. Uh, now, there's a bit of a debate whether he actually helped, whether he got the help or not, or they kept him using him, because this was also around the time in which the uh, pedophilia charges were starting to crop up around Michael Jackson as well. Yeah. So there was concerns about whether he, you know, so there was concerns about having him tied to the game um, and whether or not, um, a conf- there's still to the debate to the day whether he's actually, if he, got, if he was in there as a pseudonym for somebody else or if his work, um, was actually conti- uh, was actually kept it all for the game or whatever he had worked on. I mean, who sponsored the the Michael Jackson um, movie that was at Disneyland? Wasn't that one of the? So um, was that Coke? So Pepsi. Disney. Um, so Disney actually again. So that would have been Captain EO, but that would have been about 1989, if memory serves. 1988, right. 1989. Um, but the allegations for like sexual uh, for pedophilia. I don't think it would have come up until like 1993, 1994. But it ran for a long time after those those allegations were made. Oh yeah, absolutely no. There, yeah, so I don't think they ever uh, Kodak. 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 Kodak is what sponsored that. I don't know why I was thinking it was one of the the game companies. Well, because um, Michael Jackson um, famously did ads for Pepsi. Yeah. Um, in fact, actually, what's considered to be um, interesting tangent here. Um, so Michael Jackson got burned in the process of filming an ad for uh, a Pepsi commercial, I believe. Yes. And there's a lot of people that believe that he was so badly burnt, they replaced him with um, a different person, which is kind of the wider Michael Jackson that we see, that we kind of know in the later life. Because you can kind of tell that one, like he disappeared for a long period of time and then he came back a lot whiter than he had been before. Yeah. And it's... Um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that say that the original Michael Jackson either passed away or was too badly burnt to be able to continue to be Michael Jackson. Um, and so a lot of his stuff is dubbed, a lot of his music is dubbed over by uh, this other person who acted in his stead. All, all conspiracies. All very much conspiracies, I believe, yeah. yeah. Whether we'll know or not is a completely different matter. I like to think that Michael Jackson is still alive. I want him to be my version of Elvis. <laughs> still in the building. Still in the building, still making music, but just not like nobody knows it's actually him, or maybe, or maybe they do know it's him, but they're being very quiet about it. You know, yes. I, I'm okay with that. At the end of the day, if that if that happens to be the case. Um, but speaking back to Sonic Three, Sonic Three actually had a very interesting development cycle. Um, so, Sonic Three was meant to come out during the uh, 1993 19, or, and I believe it's supposed to come out during the 1994 holiday season and um for this game they actually had too big of a scope well this happens with some game companies where you where you um when you're pitching your game and you develop all your game docs and you develop all your um where the game is supposed to go sometimes you are too ambitious and a lot of game companies are purposely too ambitious because this is what we want to be what we know we're going to have to cut some items along the way. Let's figure that out when we get there. So some yeah. keep what works and dispose what doesn't. Um, well, not so much to dispose what doesn't, but again, like some items might take months or year months to figure out how to work. Where some things might just take a week to get it to work properly. 
Um, and so you can always cut feature. You can always cut features. It's very difficult to add, add feature, them. Yeah. add them. So in Sonic's case, they actually had um, most games consisted of about eight to nine levels. Um, Sonic Three would have composed of fifteen. Wow. So there was a, a greater span of all. Of, there was a greater span of what was going on inside the cartridge. Um, um, so as a result. They were not going to make it for the um, 1994, and again, I apologize, I don't remember what year it was. I want to say 94. They weren't going to make it for the 94 holiday season. Um, so what they did in a crunch was they came up with Sonic Spinball for the holiday season. And this is a, a version of Sonic the Hedgehog, which is basically a pinball game. Oh, wow. Um, so it's got Sonic as, a, as the pinball, essentially, very, very few running segments, if any, um, and the notion being... Is the one with all the rings? Well, all of them have rings, okay. which um, we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, they came up with that version, and a couple months later, um, I believe in the early spring, they came out with um, Sonic 3. Now, Sonic 3, though, they cut into two portions. So what they originally were planning to do was to have Sonic 1, and then they were going to have another uh, cartridge called Sonic 2, Sonic 3.2, or... So yeah. part one and then part two, with the intention being that eventually they'd come up with a, a mega cartridge that had all of it on there, and you could have Sonic 1 and 2 played as it was intended. Yeah. Um, with the added time, so they're able to polish so the Sonic 1 levels, and they were able to go back and do polished Sonic 2. With the extra time, they came up with this lock-on feature for um, what would be known as Sonic and Knuckles. And so this lock-on feature basically was if you plugged it into uh, Sonic Three, you could play Sonic. You could play the entire game as one continuous game with Sonic or Tails, or was which or which was was intended to play it as Knuckles. So Knuckles is this bright red echidna. He's got um, um, white gloves that with spikes on his hands. I, I should say all the characters are anamorphic. Yeah. So if you think of like. Bugs Bunny, uh, Mickey Mouse. These are all animals that are, um, if you think about a hedgehog versus the size of a fox, a fox is much bigger than probably eat the hedgehog. All these are kind of uniformly the same size and they're right. humanoid with just the, um, uh, with animal parts on them. So yeah. like, you know, Sonic has these spikes on his back, tails is two tails and fox ears. Um, Knuckles has a echidna kind of, dreadlocks i guess is the best way yeah. to put it um and and so they were able to come up with this lock-on feature to let you play the entire game as one um they later figured out that you could actually plug in this lock-on feature to sonic 2 and you can play as knuckles in sonic 2 instead oh wow yeah so they're able to kind of, they were able to kind of go back in time and do that they couldn't do that with sonic 1 unfortunately but they were able to do it with sonic 2 um but um modders and uh, we'll talk about this more when we get the fan there's a heavy modding community for sonic the hedgehog um, people have made their own video games their own stuff many times over the years um, for sonic the hedgehog um, famously um, there's quite a number of, and famously actually we'll talk about it here in a little bit they actually got to make an actual sonic game <clears throat> well okay but but that's that's consistent with Nintendo allowing you to to make your own Mario game. Well, so in and there they actually made the uh, Mario Maker, but right. Sega was, but the people that made um, one of the latest incarnations of Sonic Sonic Media were actually fans that came went to Sega and said, 
hey, we've been making Sonic games for years. Can we give it a? Sh- can we give Sonic a try? And they were like, sure. Yeah, nothing to lose. Nothing, nothing to lose, and um, we'll we'll talk about that here in just in a little bit here. Yeah. So, um, so kind of come the mid '90s here, we um, so we move into the uh, fourth generation of game consoles. This is the Super. This is the uh, Nintendo sixty four. This is the PlayStation. Sony had a version known as the Saturn. Um, Saturn though was a thirty was a thirty two bit system versus uh, Nintendo was a sixty four bit system and PlayStation was kind of a sixty four bit system as well. Um, the Saturn was also a CD based unit, and again they were figuring out how to do CDs. Um, processing was a little bit better, so you could do a lot more polygons and things like that. Um, but, um, part of the problem of moving a 2d character into a 3d world, um, was very difficult for Sonic, had a lot of trials and failures in the, in this period. So, um, there's a number of games that came out for, of Sonic that came out during the Saturn period that didn't work well because, um, either Sonic had to be, his speed had to be toned down to catch up with the environment or for you to just be able to navigate the environment. Um, and this was part of the problem of translating Sonic from a 2D sort of thing where you only had to worry about the one plane ahead of you right. versus a 3D plane in which you could only see a limited distance ahead of you. And because you're moving really fast, you have to make kind of split-second decisions about what to do. And that was often a boundary issue for the Saturn. Yeah. Um, so while there are games that came out during the um, age of the Saturn... They're not well. Re- they're not well regarded or well received at all. A lot of them um, have what they call an isometric view, which is kind of a um, instead of rather being like two D, where your camera's kind of fixed on this one plane. Right. Um, an isometric view is like it's the camera's in the corner and it always kind of keeps the same view of everything. So think of like a security camera, but yeah. uh, that's in like the corner, but the the room is still moving forward, but the camera stays put. So it's always kind okay. of. It's always on the same plane moving forward with you. Okay. Um, again, not not necessarily well received. Not, not, not so dynamic. Not very dynamic. And again, it, it, um, it doesn't lead itself to the speed in which Sonic was well known for. Because um, again, Sonic was so fast that at certain points you could actually, the camera could not keep up with you and it actually would lose you until you got to a certain point which you slowed down enough for the camera to find you. So that's how fast Sonic was moving. Um, but come 1998, they were coming out with the Dreamcast, which was the next console system. And obviously you want to have a killer app in Sonic the Hedgehog, which yeah. was your mascot. Um, so they came up with Sonic Adventure. Now, uh, what's unique about Sonic Adventure is that it's a full 3D world. Um, they've actually redesigned the character and made him a little bit more mature looking. So they've elongated his proportions they've given him a little bit more of an edge to him at a certain point i, rem- I remember when he became an adult yeah so we became more adultish yeah um and sonic adventure actually was a lot of fun they actually kind of figured out that um so long as sonic was running straight ahead and you could actually see enough ahead of you that you could actually properly plan on what to do so they got better at it um in sonic adventure um, they also started adding more story elements to it here. So you started seeing a lot more characters um, coming in, and you saw um, a lot of redesigns as well. Um, and it actually, and again, it did very, very well. It was very, very, it was successful enough that they were able to create a sequel 
in Sonic Adventure 2, which is probably the more popular um, adventure title because Sonic has uh, a lot more momentum, he's moving a lot more faster. It's also introducing Shadow the Hedgehog, which is basically a rival to Sonic. Um, just a very dark and edgy version of Sonic. Um, and Sonic 2 is actually very well regarded. Wait, no, no. Where did where did the an- animated version of all of this come in? Because I remember there being an animated. We'll talk about that. Okay. There's several animated versions of Sonic, actually. Okay. Um, unfortunately, though, Sonic 2 sold very, very well. Six months later, the um, but when it came out, it was about the same time that the PlayStation Two came out in two thousand. Okay. Um, or 2000, 2001, excuse me. Six months later, Sega would basically say, we are not making any more Dreamcasts and we are shutting down our console market. And Sega would no longer, it would basically get out of the console market game. Did they ever say why? Um, well, again, um, so when they made the Dreamcast, and everyone agrees that the Dreamcast is an amazing system for what it was at the time. It... You could run Windows 98, 95 and Windows 98 on it. It came with a modem adapter, which you could later replace with a broadband adapter. Um, it had this really kind of chunky big controller that was actually very comfortable. But you had these um, units that you can put into it, which were your memory cards. And the memory cards could actually be popped out and had a little screen on it, kind of like a Tamagotchi at the time. Oh, and, you, cool. and so what was nice about it is that some of the games would take advantage of it. So you might have... So you might have like a life total, like an extra like bullet count on there. So you weren't taking up space in the screen. Or um, if you were playing Sonic the Hedgehog, you could check on your um, speed of how many lives or enemy rings you had on the on there. So it would keep it would save your data, but also be um, giving you stats and give you information as well. Yeah. So it would be which was very useful. Um, and that controller again for the size of the controller was still very comfortable by comparison. Um, and the system was actually very, it was a very slim, very it was an was an actually very efficient system to to program for and actually efficient to make from Sega's point of view. Um, it lacked one feature that was the the nail in the coffin for it. Okay. It didn't have DVD playback. So when the PlayStation Two came out, it came out with um, we came up with the ability to play DVDs. So at the time there was a big debate. Uh, it was. Um, this is when DVDs were starting to kick up in the early 2000s, if you is, remember. Is the idea that, that if I can play it on my, if I can hook it up to my TV, then I can play the DVDs through it to my TV. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but, so think, yeah. so keep in mind, if you were going to go buy, so especially in, in, when it started in Japan, eventually came to here to the West. If you were going to go buy a DVD player, a DVD player might cost anywhere from 250 to $400. Yeah. So it's it's not an inexpensive purchase. It's a very expensive purchase. The PlayStation, when it came out, was $300. But it had the DVD player. And it had the, and it had the DVD player functionality built into it. So even if you just use it as a DVD player, you could also play video games on it. or if you And so you could save a lot of space in that one unit and have it do multiple functions at the end of the day. Yeah. So a lot of people, especially in Japan, actually, the reason why PlayStation 2 is such a uh, was one is is still to this day one of the m- best selling consoles ever, was because of the DVD playback. And so, a lot of people just bought the PlayStation 2 just for the DVD playback because you could get a whole you could get like a nice deck for like three or four hundred dollars, but you could buy this, which was a lot slimmer and smaller, and um, 
would just play it could just play dvds easily there too but you then you also got a cool gaming system out of it too and so basically the playstation 2 so so that that crashed sega because what does sega make now sega still makes video games and they still make a lot of sonic games um but they're more of a um publishing arm and a um they're more of a publishing arm now than they were in the past. And they would okay. they would publish game titles, and they would have their own inve- internal development team for video games. Um, but uh, now they do a lot. Now they partner with a lot of other companies, and they help produce titles and and, and fun titles rather than um, outright making them. Okay. Um, kind of like how um, there's a company called Electronic Arts. Uh huh. Electro- electronic. So yeah. Electronic Arts makes yeah, yeah. a lot of their own games. Uh, but they also own a lot of other companies that make that make their games as w- that make games as well. So they help produce those games and sp- and fund those games to be made. Like uh, it's but, like being a major film studio and having all these other little studios that that. So like so as an example, foster. like there's there's Disney Studio, there's Disney um, Studios as an example, uh-huh. and then you have Touchstone Studios, which is an offshoot uh, right. for for Dis- for Disney. It's kind of their uh, mature line, or you have yeah. Miramax, which is their like artsy sort of division. Yeah. Um, okay. Which again, which 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 again, if you think about it, would make the bride from Kill Bill a Disney princess. There we go. That works for me. I'm okay with that. At the end yeah. of the day, yeah. not the most traditional Disney princess, but um, so yeah. So again, the PlayStation Two um, was really kind of what killed um, killed the Sega Dreamcast. Because again, the Dreamcast was actually doing very very well market wise, but it didn't have the DVD playback functionality in it. And because it didn't have that DVD playback functionality, people were um, now buying up the PlayStation 2 in droves. And six months later, Sega was like, we just, we're not selling what we need to. It's probably going to be more cost effective for us to just release, re-release our games on other systems. And that's what they ended up doing. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask is, is most of the time when I think of Nintendo or I think of Sega, I think of proprietary uh, characters mm-hmm. um, and proprietary games. Um, so, so in order for Sega to survive, then it, they had to be willing to allow their games to be played on other systems. Yeah. So, uh, one of the early things that they did is they actually partnered up with Nintendo and re-released Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure, the first two Sonic Adventure games for, um, the GameCube at the, what it what would be the GameCube at the time, yeah. which would have been the, um, uh, would have been the uh, sixth console, uh, sixth generation here. I was gonna say so it would have been the mid to late nineties. Yeah, so or early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah, so, we had a GameCube. Mm-hmm, yep, yeah. and so we got Sonic the Hedgehog there. We also got uh, re-releases of the old classic Sonic games as well. So again, Sega's done a really good job of um, when, as an example, when the uh, Nintendo Wii came out, you could download individual games. Sonic games were one of the first things you could download off there. Oh wow! Um, so you could so again for like five. So bucks. Nintendo cooperated with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I mean, like it's, it's, um, you know, like it's more, it's it's a, it's more library for Nintendo at the day. And Sonic is a very, Sonic actually mirrors up really well with Nintendo's values because Nintendo is very much a family meant to be a kind of family friendly. Everybody can play this sort of game system, game console system. You know, the Wii was very much we you know was named the Wii because we want everybody to play together we want you to play with us yeah we want to play with you you know yeah. and um that's why it was called the Wii. yeah um but sonic lines up very very well with the family friendly or uh, atmosphere um in fact the next major sonic game that came out was sonic heroes um 
and that came out exclusively on the Nintendo 64 before it came out, or excuse me, on the GameCube before it came out on uh, PlayStation and Xbox years later, or a little while later. So Sega actually, so Sonic actually continues on in a couple of different forms. Um, when we get to 2005, is kind of the breaking point for Sonic, though. Um, so 2005 would have been the 15th anniversary of Sonic, and uh, Sega was very much about having a game out for the anniversary. And uh, so they wanted to come up, so they wanted to do kind of a reboot of Sonic. They wanted to kind of reset everything uh, back to a kind of more normal position. Um, in very early versions of Sonic the Hedgehog, when they were still kind of developing the story for Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog was supposed to have a human girlfriend named Madonna. And was supposed to be a part of a band as well that was traveling around. Um, now, the Madonna character was kind of actually modeled after Madonna. Um, <laughs> like was, a virgin. Yeah, and it was initially in a very, uh, with, a, with a strapless red dress, uh, very tight and form, uh, short red dress, um, very um, buxom or top-heavy might be the way to, to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they famously said, back in the early 90s, they were famously... Um, they were shooting all this here to the people here in America because they were the ones really coming up with Sonic. Yeah. Um, and the per- the person over here in America was like, I don't know how children are supposed to understand how a uh, cartoonish hedgehog is kissing a um, very sexualized woman at the end of the day. They were like, oh, yeah, that may not sit well. Because because Sonic always came across as an adolescent. Yes. I mean, very much kind of a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, he was also kind of meant to kind of, in that early kind of 90s vibe, Dr. Robotics supposed to be technology kind of polluting and everything, where Sonic yeah. was supposed to be more of the Greenpeace kind of ideal, sort of naturistic, one with nature, promoting nature, environmentalism sort of thing. That was kind okay. of an element of Sonic at a, at a point. Okay. Um, so when we get to 2005, they're actually in development for what they're calling Sonic the Hedgehog, and it's... Um, it's in brackets 2005, even though it doesn't come out to 2006, technically, about a year, just uh, a couple months after 2005 ended, which would have been the anniversary for uh, Sonic when he came out in 91, actually. So 2006 would have been uh, perfect for that. Or It's also actually known as a Sonic 06, too. So. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog 06. Um, the development cycle for, for this game is actually well regarded as being one of the worst development cycles. Because um, what kind of ended up happening was is that... Um, Several of the games, uh, so Yuji Naka actually famously left the project and left Sega and started up his own company later on. Um, Oshima had actually left as well after, after a certain point. It's been a long time, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the project kept get, had a very rookie um, uh, director on it who kept lo- literally losing staff. And as a result... Um, Sonic 06, or the Sonic the Hedgehog 06, um, is widely regarded as one of the worst games in the franchise. Oh. Um, which is, again, quite unfortunate. It's it's riddled with bugs, literally game-breaking bugs, where you'll fall through the floor and can never get back out. Um, and you'll just die there. And other game-breaking elements, its story is not well-regarded because, again, they bring in a female... Protag- a female um, character which is very human in proportions but sonic is very cartoony in proportions and yeah. there's a point in which they kiss 
um, and it's not well. It's not. It's not aged well. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just one of these things where um, it's not a very well regarded game at, on any particular level. Now, have there been other other Sonic since then? Oh, quite a bit actually. Uh, Sonic's actually gone through quite a bit of a um, of an identity crisis over the la- since since then since two thousand five. Um, famously, as an example, um, so Sonic 06 was supposed to come out for the um, was supposed to come out for the GameCube, PlayStation. Um, it was supposed to come out for Nintendo. Um, would have been on the sixth sixth cycle here, so we would have been on sixth generation. That would have been the Wii, the PlayStation Three, and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Um, so famously, Sonic um, Sonic 06 only came out for the PlayStation and the Xbox because they couldn't port it to the Wii because the Wii was using older architecture. Um, so the Wii, Wii back at the time prioritized gameplay and not necessarily graphics and engine okay. performance. Yeah. So a lot of games that were made for the Xbox and PlayStation had to have new or different versions brought down for the they Wii. They had to dumb it down. Yeah, they had to either dumb it down or had to be completely new games. And so okay. um, as an example, um, in 2007... Uh, the Wii got a completely different Sonic game called um, Sonic uh, uh, Sonic and the Secret Rings, in which it was kind of set in um, uh, Arabian Nights kind of time. Um, and it's what we call kind of a linear runner, I guess is probably the best way to say it, where like Sonic's constantly running forward, but he has to kind of move to the right or to the left or dodge opposites as they come around in a lot of cases. Um, we also got a game called Sonic Riders, which is another, which was, um, basically Sonic on a hoverboard racing against other people. It's actually kind of a, it kind of, it's, um, it's kind of an underground classic on a certain level because there's a lot of fun, interesting elements on it. Um, like if you get knocked off, you have to run to get back up your speed, to get back onto your board. As an example, um, drifting behind people is a very common element until the very last second. Um, it's well-regarded kind of little, little racing game. Um, we also got Sonic the Black Knight, in which Sonic is transported to medieval times and wears like armor and has a broadsword. I don't see that working. Um, nope. Um, next one we have, we have a. Uh, just saying. Oh no 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 no! You're not wrong. Um, we have Sonic Colors, which is another kind of uh, Sonic in the Secret Ring sort of element. Uh, we get Sonic Unleashed, which is what if Sonic turned into the Hulk? He- no. So he, he turns into a, what they call a werehog. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just as, it's just as silly as you think it is. Well, it, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to envision Sonic as a threatening creature. Well, again, he gets like monstrous proportions like the Hulk. His fur turns purple. He's got kind of a, kind of like a haunched over kind of look. Like it's, it's, it's again, it was equally dumb and stupid. Yeah. Um, you also got Sonic Lost Worlds where, um... Uh, this would have been around the early 2000s here when we would have had, um, if you remember Super, uh, Mario Galaxy, um, the element of Mario Galaxy was that you had these gravity wells on these different little spheres at which if Mario jumped up to him, he could be caught by the gravity and now he was on this little sphere instead. And so the idea was kind of mirroring around with different kind of angles and projections and moving from different places. Uh, Sonic Lost World was kind of the same idea. But because Sonic's supposed to be about speed, it was all based on these tube worlds. And so you kind of shifted to the left or to the right, and it would rotate the world. 
So one part might ha one part of the world might have spikes, another part might have um, just water as an example, or might have springs or rings. So you would kind of rotate around these circular worlds to get what you needed out out of the world, or to get or to progress through it. Okay. Um, interesting kind of thing, but yeah. again, didn't really take off at all. So yeah, I mean, during this period of time, Sonic is in a perpetual um, kind of confusion as far as what his gameplay is and um, kind of what his um, world is in a certain level. Um, by the time we get, I mean, even in 2011, we get to their 20th anniversary, they're re-releasing um, Sonic Adventures, a game. And so, uh, um, or excuse me, by 2011, we get to the 20th anniversary of Sonic. Um, they kind of figured out what Sonic is. They made a game called Sonic Generations, which um, they had the old classic version of Sonic for, with the new adventure version of Sonic. And they reimagined um, a lot of these different major popular levels from older games in both the classic 2D version and then also the 3D version. So you had kind of different ways you could play through it. Um, and then later Sonic games have actually kind of mixed it around. So like sometimes Sonic will go through an area and he's in a 2D sort of element and then other games he's back into that full 3D element. Um, so that's actually worked out kind of well. Okay. When um, we get a little bit later on, um, Sonic is now actually almost a Nintendo character because he's being uh, introduced into more uh, game titles uh, for Sega or for Nintendo. Uh, famously, um, Sonic is kind of what propelled, um, was in so was in Super Smash Brothers uh, Brawl, I want to say. Yeah, Brawl, which was the Wii version of Smash Brothers. And he was a secret character that you could unlock in the game. It was actually very popular extra character. Um, it's to this day why when we have the, the newer version of, of of the games, we have more characters from outside of the Nintendo franchise. So we have uh, Street Fighter, Banjo-Kazooie, a number of other companies that are not Nintendo companies, but did have um, but did have some presence on Nintendo, with the exception of uh, Snake, which is a PlayStation character, which I never understood how that got to Nintendo at all. So, so here's a here's a question. Um, I can understand for for people of your generation, which is you're you're in your mid thirties, um, they're aware of Sonic. Mm -hmm. Now, it's always surprised me that um, with the younger generation and kids kids who are you know um, elementary school age and up, mm -hmm. um, they're quite aware of Mario and playing Mario because I think I it's think a little bit more ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, how familiar are the younger generation with Sonic? So or is that sort of something where he ages out because it was a 90s thing? Well, I don't think he's necessarily aged out. I think part of the problem has always been that he's not ha he's been in, again, a, a bit of an identity crisis, and he hasn't really had a killer app sort of game that's come out in a while. You think, you think Mario Brothers, uh, Mario in, in, as an example, Mario has not been in a bad game in a long time. Yeah. Um, there's, it's again, like every, but again, that also just goes to Nintendo's Mario party, uh, Mario party, Mario, uh, Mario's again, been so many ubiquitous titles here now at this point that he's his own, he's made his own genres after a certain point. Again, he made a party genre. He made the cart racer. Um, he's been in so many different things that even if you don't, that there's always at least three, four, maybe five different versions of Mario out there at a time. So but I mean, but I think one of the things that, that for me is appealing is mm -hmm. like, I can sit with my grandchildren and and play Mario Kart mm -hmm. because it's clean. 
No, oh, yeah, and Sonic's very clean as well yeah. too. Um, yeah, and, for, and and that's why I bring it up is because it's the same sort of sort of very mm-hmm. I, I would think appealing. Mm-hmm. Again and again, it's very appealing. I I don't know for a younger generation we could probably ask my nieces about this whether they're even aware of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, but again, I mean, like Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't have a lot of ads that come out for it at all. Um, if it has a game come out, it has maybe one game that comes out every the year movie came or two. Out. And again, I always thought the movies would be a very odd choice for a movie too, because I never understood. I, I asked myself, who is this movie for? Is it for it's not a Pikachu movie? Yeah, but Pikachu kind of. But again, like Pikachu is still very pop. Pokemon's still very popular amongst multiple right. generations. Right. Yeah. The thing with Sonic, though, um, was my question was always about like. Is this for the nostalgic generation like myself, or is this for younger kids to get them interested in Sonic? And if and I think the answer was it was for the younger generation primarily. Um, no game came and tied with it at all, oddly enough. But I'm sure they're clamoring for games that are, they, they 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 I think they kind of missed their window for clamoring for games because I mean nobody wants an Iron Man game unless they are and they don't because they don't remember Iron Man actually existing unless the movie's, the movies out. Are. What about a year ago? Um, yeah. You know, Avengers Avengers stuff would have come out a year ago. We're not hearing as much stuff about new Avenger property stuff now yeah. at all because yeah. it's not in the media at all. Yeah. Not free advertisement. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, again, Nintendo, again, Sonic being becomes a little bit more ubiquitous than, with Nintendo. They're Mario. They Famously, they have Sonic's, all the Sonic characters meeting with Mario's characters for Olympic games. And... Um, they did it for the Winter Olympics and then later the Summer Olympic Games as well. Um, it's pretty cute. It is, actually. It was actually Cause, very... Because you've got the Olympic rings. Yeah. And it, it was, was very, kind of a tie-in. Yeah, it was very cute. <laughs> um, in 2014, they tried to reboot Sonic again um, with Sonic Boom. Um, they redesigned some. They redesigned all the characters yet again and made them a lot more adolescent. So uh, they returned them from having grown them up. Yeah, well, I mean, and I don't ever think that Sonic actually got it as, turned into it at all. At all, I always think Sonic was always kind of a perpetual teenager, like always in kind of like his 16, 17, 18 year old. I think Sonic yeah. Boom kind of aged it back to like Sonic Boom is well no, is kind of weirdly regarded for having a lot of scarves and bandages around everybody's. Like so, um, instead of people having gloves, they have like bandages around their fingers instead of gloves. Sonic's got a comically long scarf. Um, everyone kind of looks a little bit more gruffer on a certain level. So grunge Sonic, a little more grungy, yeah. Um, the t- so the game for actually, which is called Rise of Lyric, which I don't know why. Um, also very game breaking buggy. Oh. Which is again part of the problem here is that a lot of Sonic games get kind of rushed, um, and because they haven't really had an identity an, an identity on Sonic, everyone's trying to remake it from the ground up. And when you rather st- than building on what's already there. Yeah, rather than building what was already there, technology that might already exist, so you're having to redo everything. Um, and, so, and a lot of Sonic games were very much about trying to add more than just the running aspects, which is kind of an annoyance because a lot of us just want to play the running aspect of Sonic. Because yeah. that's what we really love about Sonic. We take advantage of what he does best. Yeah, but a lot of games try to add in like, oh, well, Sonic kicks or Sonic punches, or oh, hey, let's bring in Knuckles, and he does... Uh, punchy and he digs for treasure. Let's bring in uh, Tails because he has a uh, an airplane and he flies. And yeah. or let's bring in um, Amy Rose, which is the perpetual love interest of Sonic, even if Sonic doesn't think so. And she's got a giant, she's got a giant kind of like mallet hammer and uh, grappling hook. So like, yeah, I mean, like 
is again Sonic's constantly in a rebooting sort of element that like it's kind of hard to continue with Mario any... and Luigi or just Mario and Luigi. Yeah, because they because they've really nailed down what the characters they're, they're, are and what the good world at that. are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've also again like they don't really have to reinvent themselves at yeah. all. Sonic, Sonic's trying to reboot and reinvent, reinvent itself all the time. Um, so yeah, so that's 2014, 2016 was um, where we get two new games that kind of come out or in 2017. Um, Sonic Forces, which is kind of like a mixture of uh, Sonic Generations, where you have kind of a classic Mario and a adventure Mario. Uh, what was interesting about Sonic Forces that it allowed you to create your own Sonic character. So you had kind of a template body for what Sonic was, and you had a couple different forms of it. You could be like a fox, you could be a couple different variations of animals, you could be different shades of colors. Um, so you got to make your own Sonic, um, what we call OC, or original character. And you could dress them up in other ways you wanted to. Okay. Um, but then we get to Sonic Mania, which was what we were talking about earlier, which yeah. is the fan-made game. Um, and the fan-made game is literally like what would happen if you just made another Sonic a Sonic and Knuckles game or Sonic 3 game. Very heavily pixelated, uses very minimal 3D graphics. Um, it's a very much classic return to form sort of game um, that did re remarkably well for what it was. Again, it was very popular. Um, I still play it. Yeah. Um, and that's this is three years old now, going on three years old at this point here. Um, and again, it's very ubiquitous. You can get it on Steam. You can get it on... Um, the Switch, you can get it on uh, Sony and Xbox, I believe, as well. So it's very easy to get a hold of. Um, but again, Sonic's been in kind of this weird holding position where nobody knows quite what to do with him in a lot of cases. Some people think you, you try, try to figure out the 3D aspect, and other people like to keep him 2D. Because again, keep in mind that while all this is happening, they're coming out with still with portable Sonic games for the 3DS. And um, they're just still 2D games, and they do really well on the, on the 3DS. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, um, um, so the, I'll go over the premise of the, each of the games real quickly here, because they're the, the, the relatively simple. Sonic is supposed to get from one side of the stage to the other as quick as he can. Yeah. Um, throughout the game, you have Dr. Robotnik, he's the bad guy. Yep. He's got a whole bunch of robots that have animals trapped inside, which are the power sources for these robots. Um, if Sonic breaks the robots, the animals get freed. It's not a requirement, but the but you get po you get bonus points for it. Um, throughout... I, I assume I'm going to play some of these games. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, throughout the game, you get the you have rings. The nobody's figured out what these rings mean at all, but they're everywhere. Yep. Um, the rings have uh, three part components to them. Is they're a collectible element. So the more you have with you uh, when you finish the level, you get more points for that. Um, if you collect over 100 of them, you get an extra life, kind of like uh, Mario with coins. Do I get to play this on my Switch, which I know how to use? You can. Um, you might have to get, you might have to buy Mania, but I think, I don't think it's a, I, don't, I think it's like 19 to 20, uh, 19 yeah, to $30. Yeah, I can do here. Because yeah. Yeah, I like the Switch, I know how to use it. <laughs> um, but then also the rings act as a buffer for damage. So as an example, um, if you take damage from either getting hit by an enemy or projectile or you hit, or you uh, land on spikes, as an example, um, Sonic will lose all of his rings. They'll literally scatter out of you. Ooh. And so you have the you have a short time frame to recollect as many many rings as possible. You'll never so um, as an example, if you have two hundred rings on you, you may only ever collect back thirty of them. Okay. Because they they literally just kind of like 
spring out of you like a firework. Oh. Um, so, but again, you get hit and you have a small invincibility fr- uh, period, like you, two or three seconds, and you can recollect some of your rings to get back your, to get it back. So as long as you only have one ring on you, you still have a chance. You can still get hit and still not lose a life at all. Okay. Um, but also throughout the game, you get little power ups as well through. Um, item boxes or monitors in some cases, and sometimes those will include uh, rings, they'll include an extra life in them. Uh, some of them have a shield, which you will can, um, which act like rings, but you won't lose your rings, you'll lose the shield first. Um, famously, some of them have a speed boost, so you'll go even faster throughout stuff. Um, and some of them have invincibility, so you'll be invincible, so you can run right through enemies and and ignore them infinite infinite keep going okay um and then now speaking of enemies how do you get rid of them um sonic can either so long as sonic's in kind of a ball form so sonic has a default running running and at upright mode and then he can kind of crouch down into a ball and so long as sonic's in a ball he can run through most and he can either pounce on most enemies by jumping on them or uh, run through them, but so long as he's in a ball form, and that's how you defeat the enemies. Okay. Uh, the notion being that when Sonic's in the ball form, he's got these spikes that are like razor blades. Um, one of the things you can, throughout the entire game series, there is these elements um, known as these Chaos Emeralds. Um, now, there's six or seven, depending on what version of the game you, you might be playing. In the early versions, there were six, now there's seven. Um, think the Infinity Stones from, uh, and from yeah. Uh, Marvel. Yeah. Um, they're meant to be... A MacGuffin is the best way to describe it. They're meant to do just about anything the game needs them to do. So you might be able to warp space. They might provide infinite energy, or they might be able to uh, form projectiles or clone things. I mean, who knows what they really do, depending on the game. Um, but to get to the, to get to those and um, to get to these chaos emeralds, you have to go through a secret level, secret, secret stage. And um, different versions of the game have had different kind of variations on it. So the first Sonic had a um, pinball sort of maze where you were in a ball form but you kind of maneuver through a maze to get to uh the center which had the chaos emerald and then um in sonic 2 you were on a you were in a pipe and you were running through a pipe almost which was very fun um and sonic 3 had a world that you kind of ran around in and you collected rings and spheres until you got enough spheres to show the chaos gem so they've had different variations on it throughout the years um adventure actually just had as a storyline element. You couldn't collect them. They were just a storyline thing. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, later games give you kind of some new abilities um, and new characters to play as. So again, when you got to Sonic 2, you could have, uh, literally you could have two people playing the game at the same time and you could have another person playing Tails. And Tails can fly. Later games, he can pick up Sonic to fly. So you could, so if you wanted to, you could, pick up Sonic and take him to higher higher level areas of the game. Um, for your tails, you could fly over uh, pits of spikes or water or up to higher areas. Typically in Sonic area, Sonic games, you have um, multiple paths to get to the end to the end of the level. So you have kind of an upper path, a middle path, and a lower path. Uh, and lower paths are generally easier, as where the high midi, uh, the middle path is kind of. Um, uh, so the lower level is kind of like an underground level almost where everything's mm-hmm. lower. Um, the mid level is kind of like a street view level where everything's kind of on a, uh, at water level. And then the higher level is a lot more difficult because it's a lot more jumping in open spaces. So again, like somebody like Tails would be very useful to get up to those higher places as an example. Um, we get to Knuckles. Knuckles can um, jump and he can kind of 
shoot forward and glide to other places. So he's kind of a little bit of a limited fly range, but he can also um, climb up walls with his knuckles. Uh, you get Amy, who again carries around a giant mallet. Um, she's less popular in the 2D games and more in the 3D games. Um, and then you have Shadow the Hedgehog, who wields a gun. I don't have a good answer for that yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, but he plays just like Sonic otherwise. Uh, don't want to go too, through too many of the characters here. Again, obviously Sonic is the title character. You have Tails, whose actual full name was Miles Prowler. Which, if you say it slowly, is miles per hour. That's cute. So, um, Knuckles the Echidna, which is, again, kind of uh, Sonic's um, uh, muscle man, I guess is kind of the best way to describe him. Um, sort of a bouncer. Kind of a bouncer, yeah. You have Amy Rose, which is very bright pink, wears a red dress uh, character. Uh, she thinks of herself as Sonic's boyfriend. Sonic doesn't think of her as, her, as his girlfriend, usually. Yeah. Uh, but they are kind of a love interest thing going on there. Um, Dr. Eggman, as he's known in Japan, in America, we call him Dr. Robotnik. To bridge the two, he's known as Dr. Robotnik here in the West, but Sonic calls him Eggman as a uh, discriminatory sort of thing. Pejorative, yeah. Yeah, so, like, so now he's always he's more commonly known as being referenced as Eggman, so that's kind of how they bridge that gap in the middle there. Um, later versions have... Mecha Sonic or Metal Sonic. It's a uh, robot version of Sonic that races with Sonic and is kind of a rival to Sonic in later game in some games. Um, usually, kind of a final boss or arch nemesis. Uh, we mentioned Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow is a was meant to be the ultimate life form, but was later just a clone of other hedgehogs. So there's like dozens of clones of him out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so he is a he. He doesn't run fast. What he does is he skates fast. So he's got boots that allow him to hover. And so he's like a perpetual skater while Sonic is actually running sort of thing. Okay. Um, but Shadow is a very much a edgy version of Sonic that's a rival to Sonic. Um, a character that comes up somewhat frequently but not all the time is a character called Rouge the Bat. She was introduced in Adventure 2. Um, it's kind of a femme fatale uh, white bat lady. Um, who's all about working for whoever's going to pay her the most. She's into stealing gems and ju jewels, and she's going to basically work for whoever pays her the most. Um, so you mentioned... Vigilante. Yeah. So you mentioned animated. Um, there was an anime for Sonic the Hedgehog, but before that, there was actually animated TV shows for him. Um, and famously, in 1993, we had two of them. Um, on... What we would call UPN here in the uh, UPN here, but might have been other independent channels elsewhere across America. We had the event. We had Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a very kind of um, Bugs Bunny esque sort of Looney Tunes slapstick sort of world. Um, characters were very crudely drawn at a certain level. Very um, the the term going off model in which you know the characters might be more lankier taller or have different size yeah. heads they were not consistent yeah um but it's very much more a slapstick sort of version of of the show yeah uh of the sonic because and even in this version again um with dr robotnik's uh, as an example when dr robotnik was being realized in the video game they didn't quite have a way to differentiate differentiate his eyes as being goggles or eyes so usually just like they were just like black holes typically yeah um the show thought <laughs> 
the show thought they were that he had red eyes and black he had black pupils and red eyes mm-hmm. um and so that's kind of how he got look how he looked for a number of a number of, of uh projects um we then get to famously what is the most beloved version of Sonic the Hedgehog, I think, is called, uh, which is Sonic the Hedgehog, otherwise known as Sat M uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, Sat M being because it was on um, here in California, it was on ABC on Saturday mornings. Right. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting about this one is it actually kept a consistent story. Um, and the story was that uh, Sonic is a part of a the world of Mobius um, had Sonic the Hedgehog and had animal people as rulers of the world. Um, and the robotic was supposed to be an advisor, and he created robots and started turning all the animals into into robots and was slowly taking over the world and is slowly taking over the world. And so Sonic's a part of a freedom fighter coalition that does kind of like guerrilla warfare tactics on Dr. Robotnik um, with the intention of trying to break up his thing. Um uh, the con- set the animals free. Yeah, and set the animals free. I mean, uh, famously, what he's trying to do is he's trying to um, get back his grandfather and his parents, Sonic is, um, who have been turned into robots. And he's, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get them untransformed into robots, which is very difficult, or trying to save them and get them back at a certain point. But that's true of a lot of the characters in uh, who are freedom fighters. They have family or friends that are stuck as robots. Um, famously, there's their motivation. So yeah, they have motivation, and the care and the show's actually had um, a lot more darker and edgier elements to it as well. Obviously, which has obviously resonated a lot more with fans. Um, this is the actual version that um, there's been a long running comic series done by um, Archie Comics, the same people that make Archie. They make also uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and a handful of other Archie of other comics in the same kind of Archie style. Well, they. Uh, took the Saturday Sonic's uh, Saturday morning cartoon and created a comic out of it, and have continued with that comic through the various iterations of the games. Oh wow! So like they've had they've redone um, elements of the adventure storylines and kind of their own unique world. Um, they bridged the gap between where Doctor Robotnik looked, looked one way and now he looks a completely different way from the version of the games. Uh, so in the first version of the classic version of the game, he was basically a round ball with like legs and little skinny little eggs and arms being pop popping out. Yeah. Um, and then later versions of the adventure series have them a more kind of a more humanoid proportions where it's a kind of a, a red coat that kind of overcoat that he's wearing with like black trousers and boots um, and white gloves. So they literally bridged the gap as showing that um, if I remember correctly, that rock Dr. Robotic has multiple of the different other bodies and he just picked this newer version, which is the version that we all kind of know. Um, and this comic series has been running pretty much since the nineties at a certain point. It's wow. still kind of ongoing as a monthly comic. That's pretty cool. Um, and comic, I mean like literally like, a maybe 20 pages flip through sort of thing. I think it's all digital now, thankfully. Um, we had another version of Sonic that came out in the late nineties called Sonic underground. It's not well liked. Okay. Um, this version reimagines the world of. Sonic has two other siblings, um, and his mother was the queen of the world until uh, she was dethroned by um, Dr. Robotnik. Um, the children are sent away, um, and they're, uh, they've been given magical pendants, which are 
which they wear around the necks, which are just musical instruments um, that they summon to um, defeat enemies with. So instead of Sonic running around all the time, he's in a van with his... Uh, We're mighty more from Power Rangers. Not necessarily. More. Um, this was back in the time in which every episode had its own song and that Sonic and his, fr- and his siblings would perform. Um, it was not uncommon for Sonic to like point his guitar at somebody and a laser would shoot out and defeat them rather than him running around everywhere, which is um, contrary to what Sonic does. Yeah. Um, again, not well liked by a lot of fans. Yeah. Um, we get to the animated version that you mentioned. So there was an anime for Sonic, uh, Sonic X. Um, this reimagines Sonic traveling from the world of Mobius to a modern day or futuristic version of Japan at the time. Um, and all the characters kind of slowly migrate over to this new version, including Dr. Robotnik, who um, starts up uh, a number of his classic things. Um, this series also reimagined the adventure storylines as a couple episodes each. Uh, so Sonic Adventure 1 and the Sonic Adventure 2 as well. Um, famously had like entire season little bits of those uh, storyline elements kind of mixed in with the actual story. Um, very well regarded. Had a release here in America as well on Fox, if memory serves me correctly. Uh, we get to Sonic Boom. Now, um, we, when we talked about the game, the game did not do very well. Yeah. Um, but the co- but the um, uh, TV show, which was all done in 3D, in 3D uh-huh. animation, um, apparently actually is not bad. Um, it's got a bit of mixed reaction, but mostly a positive reaction from what I understand. Um, being that it's supposed to be like the 25th anniversary, supposed to be with like the the 25th anniversary of Sonic, um, and it's not bad on any particular level. It's not great, but I mean, like, it did all right. Yeah. Um, and then now, famously, we have the Sonic movie, um, which they are in process for a sequel. So it so it must have done moderately well. Yeah. So this is actually the interesting thing. It had a better box office opening than Detective Pikachu. That's surprising. Detective Pikachu was cute. Oh, I love Detective Pikachu. It is, um, it is perfectly. It, what I like about Detective Pikachu is that it's so American that it's actually got Japanese sort of uh, inspirations into it, and I yeah. love that element yeah. of it. So I, I, it's a very well regarded version, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, my, I saw an edited version was on a plane, but I still love. I, I would still, I would buy. I took, bought it took, on DVD. Took your nieces to it. Oh yeah. We had had a blast. Got into, got into trouble actually with your brother for taking them um, before he got to see it. Oh, because they spoiled the elements of it. No, because he wanted to take them because he wanted he wanted to see it and he didn't want to go by himself. Keep in mind, like um, when the Detective Pikachu movie trailers came out, everyone was just aghast at all the way the Pokemon looked because everyone thought the Pokemon were amazing looking and how they reimagined the way the Pokemon looked in a lot of cases. So like. Yeah. So, like, Charizard had, like, scales and was lizardy. Um, Jigglypuff had fur, which nobody thought, oh, it has fur. Yeah. yeah. We thought it was just skin, but no, it's fur. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was well done. So, have you seen the, the Sonic movie? Um, I've seen bits of it, um, only to say that um, something very similar to what happened with Detective Pikachu's trailer happened with the Sonic trailer. Um, Sonic turned out a lot different than his uh uh what he's classically modeled as yeah um so when the trailer came out for the sonic movie 
It did not go over well. Fans were in a literal upheaval over the look of Sonic the Hedgehog because he had gotten a lot more um, human characteristics and was very unsettling. Like he didn't, it looked like what, um, uh, this is not the best way to phrase this, but it looked like a, what a movie executive would think Sonic the Hedgehog should have looked like. Um, and um, notably as well, it had Coolio's Gangster Paradise as its, as its kind of backing music for the end of the trailer, which made no sense to me at all. <laughs> You know. But but the movie went over well. well now, it seems to have. It has, but keep in mind that what um, because of the fan the outrage and fan backlash over the trailer, um, it would have come out in November of 2019. They pushed it back until late February, March of 2000 of 2020. Yeah. Um, and so it got released in early March and actually did really well in theaters when it was still in there. Um, but they redesigned, they literally spent the extra couple months to redesign Sonic at this point and redo it. Um, and so they made Sonic a little bit more family friendly and they kind of, they kind of took a lot of the feedback they got from fans were like, okay, this is not the direction to go for Sonic. And so I think a lot of fans and myself included were redeemed by it. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet because I, I was waiting more for reviews to come out, but again, because of the whole COVID thing, by the time I did want to go see it, it wasn't in theaters anymore. Because so, theaters were so closed. is this our Sunday afternoon viewing? Yes, so um, I recommend we watch Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. Um, and then our, my little brother here has game has some of the Sonic games, um, so hopefully those should still be playable. Um, if not, again, Sonic Media, which is probably the best version I can recommend for the classic Sonic, um, is readily available on multiple platforms. And um, so I'll get a Sonic for my Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can download it from the the uh, Switch library sort of thing. And then um, if you have a PC, you can get it on Steam. Um, Steam actually has all the original Sonic games on there as well. So everything from Classic Sonic, Adventure, Riders, uh, the whole gambit of a lot of the games. Um, I, got it as a, I got it as a bundle at one point. Um, we should probably at one point talk about what a Humble Bumble is. Okay. Um, because basically it's like, hey, pay like, pay anywhere from like a dollar to tr- to like a hundred dollars, and you get all these games because it's kind of a donation process. Oh, okay. So a lot of times, um, in my case, I was able to get the entire Sonic catalog up to like 2010 or so, or 2011 for about. Uh, I could have paid a dollar. I ended up paying like ten dollars for it. Yeah. So I, I now all of them own all of them. You can play them on PC, but. They're very readily available on PC nowadays, so you can. It's very easy to get. I'm trying to envision how you play on a PC. Um, with you can actually, you can get an Xbox controller because they plug it through USB. Oh, got it. And okay. you can plug and you can uh, plug that in. Um, some PlayStation Four or other controllers are also USB, so you can plug them into um, the system, and you just kind of have to download software to map it to the computer. Um, and a lot of other controllers are also, they come out with USB or Bluetooth controllers as well. So you can get those for computers yeah. as well. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of games I would play on the PC that I would prefer to play with a controller versus a mouse, but, um, there's some. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the homework for, um, this week here. Um, and so again, a, again, a tiny little investment here, but not too much. And again, you don't like it. Hopefully five or six dollars, five ten dollars, or a small entry fee. Yeah. 
Um, and then obviously Sonic the Hedgehog is available on Amazon Prime and I think on some Google services as well for streaming. I know on Amazon Prime you can get it for like five bucks. Yep. So that's that's not a that's not a horrible value at the end of the day either. Totally down for it. Um, so yeah, so that we'll come back next week. And then next week we'll we have to discuss the fandom because that is a topic on its own. It's, I've been told it's wild, and I, and mind you, I was blown away by Brony. So oh, you'll you, this will be this will be more so. Well, I mean, I, I literally watched um, a video of you at Pack South, where where the guy in this in the switch uh, in the Twitch. Um, oh, so this would have been so this would have been the Pax Prime, uh, two thousand seven, uh, either two thousand sixteen or two thousand seventeen. I want to say, uh, two thousand sixteen. The guy was playing the game. Well, he was actually playing World of Warcraft. He was. He, I didn't know what he was, he was. He was playing a game, and then he goes, "Oh no!" Somebody, somebody says something to him. So somebody in his booth mm-hmm. says something to him, and his booth is up high. Yeah, so this so um so this, so this gentleman is a name, is by goes by the name of Swifty. He's a very famous uh, World of Warcraft a PvP player. Um, he's well known for for this because he's actually missing three fingers on his right hand. He's missing um, his uh, pinky ring finger and I think his middle finger as well. So he has a little bit of a but he plays um, but he plays PvP professionally for World for World of Warcraft. Well, so so he's in the middle of a game, and, and and somebody says something to him. He says, "Yeah, no, I saw him. I saw him. Go get him. Go get him." So and so, and and he stops playing. He finishes yeah. what he's doing. He stops playing, mm-hmm. and he pulls you into his booth, and they record the and they they, they recorded the whole thing. Yeah. So and, so and he, he so somebody had, so, so he had been playing at the time, and then somebody else had seen me walking by, and then he pointed out to us like, "Whoa!" And I had just been walking by the booth because yeah. Um. So I was cosplaying as Doctor Robotnik with my Sonic the Hedgehog puppet and. Um, I just and like you to, have I, a crystal and I have, I have the chaos emerald, which famously what I do for that is, um, I call it plusing the costume. So if you, um, so in my case, as an example, um, you have the puppet and the character already, and those are already really, really cool on its own. And then you plus it by saying, Oh wait, hold on. Let me get my hardware. And I pull out the crystal with my left hand from my back pocket and everyone then just goes, Whoa. And so, um, and um, as a cosplayer, and again, you have a lot more media that um, pops up on um, on YouTube nowadays because a lot of people will do videos and will do stuff like that. I've done a number of them where I've talked and done other stuff. You have to have a kind of your own little skit when you do it. Yeah. And so he just wanted to interview me like he was interviewing me, and so I was just like, "We're gonna ham this up, and we're gonna be Doctor Robotnik." Oh, he was. He loved it. Oh, oh no, yeah, he had a blast through it, and um, I knew who he was. I didn't kind of give two shits who he was, which is kind of my bad. He's not your thing. Yeah, so he's, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a PvP person in in, yeah. in the game, mostly because I'm suck at it. Yeah. Um, but because I suck at it, I don't want to do it. So yeah. that's just why. If I did it more frequently, I'd get better at it, and then I wouldn't hate it as much. But yeah. I'm just just not me. Yeah. I'm not a hugely competitive person like that. Um, but no, yeah, no. Again, so he, so like, I did my little skin, and then we talked for a few minutes, and it was like. But mind you, this is all happening while he's on stream right now. Yeah. And he's literally broadcasting to thousands and tens of thousands of people. Oh, and he was time. thrilled to get you. He was excited. Oh, yeah. No, and I was there, too. And I was just like, ooh, it's Twitch. Ooh. I, be- <laughs> I better I better, I better, better ham this up. Well, but what's fun is whenever you go to these things, this Dr. Robotnik, and I know you've gone, um, I will Google 
Uh, me too. I will try to find myself afterwards. And, and, and see. I'll find you on Reddit. I'll find you on Instagram. I'll find you on the Reddit on one is kind of interesting. So I popped up on Reddit what like two um, two years ago after 2018 when they had the first uh, Crunchyroll Expo in Santa Clara before it got uh-huh. too big for Santa Clara. Um, and um, one of my coworkers from my last hotel property in Newport Beach found the picture online and then posted it on Reddit. And I think I got up to like number twenty spot on like the front page at one you are point. The front page, yeah. So yeah, so it's it's great fun mm-hmm. when you go and and um, you know proud that I made the costume, but I've made you more more intricate ones. Your Obi Wan Kenobi with all the oh my goodness, with so... the, the glyphs down the sides that are in this metallic watery thread, mm-hmm. which reflect different light colors depending on how you view it. Yeah, I um, mean it's it's I, very very watery looking. So I love going to that with the um, with the with the Star Wars people with because they're Star Wars cosplay is a big deal. Yeah, um, and they'll notice some of the characters and they're like, "Oh wait, I recognize that." It, is that in um, Abresh, which is the common, which is like yeah. the version of the alphabet? Um, it's like, yeah, and it spells out different stuff. And they're like going through it's like, oh, wow, it does. Cool, man. Like, and a lot of people give me a lot of credit for that costume. Yeah, well, uh, that, that burned out a, a sewing machine, but, uh, an embroidery <laughs> machine. But um, the doctor, yeah. yeah, the Dr. Robotnik one is the one I'm most well known for at this point. I've, yeah. I've, I've had people have been like, oh, my, and especially because um, my PAX has usually been PAX South. That's the one I've gone to for. Uh, four or five years straight yeah. since it. Since and you'll, it, you'll make the top 10 every time. Oh, yeah, no, I always, I always pop up somewhere and I was just like, yeah. oh my goodness, it's Sonic, you were here again, man. You, I got to get a picture with you this time. And so I've done that. Um, famously, I was on one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, he does a video stream whenever he's on, whenever he travels for conventions and stuff. I got on there twice for two of my costumes. Very cool. Um, one of them, which was I had a, a Gyarados costume, which is a big Pokemon uh, water dragon. Uh, that was unnecessarily heavy over my shoulder. Yeah. But it was meant to be kind of a puppet as well, and that was yeah. really famous. And then I also got to do my whole Sonic bit for him the next day when I was in as uh, Dr. Eggman. So yeah. that was cool. That's very cool. Um, so, yeah, no. Um, it's great fun. Great fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. when we talk about the fans next week, um, you have to give them a little bit of credit, and you have to be a little bit patient with them. Yeah. Um, I- I can do both. So um, we're going to post all of our show, my show notes here on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com. You can follow us up and continue the conversation at, at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast, our Facebook group. Um, and if you have ideas or questions um, or f- ideas for future topics, um, or you just want to see some of the topics we've been following um, uh, that we've done and any sort of new news on them, uh, you can hit me up on nerd uh, underscore tutorial on Twitter. Uh, to communicate with me there more too Um, and so on behalf of my mom and myself we'll see you guys next week and we'll talk more Sonic then bye